Hello, welcome to episode 49 of The Film File. Yes, that film show for those film geeks, by those film geeks, which is us. Twas the week before the week before Christmas, and welcome to The Film File. And as ever, couldn't be doing this show on my own because it would just feel like I'm talking to myself. I welcome... My friend, my colleague, my pal, my man at arms. <laughs> my, my, my. Andy Meakin. <laughs> Hello, Lee. How are you keeping? <laughs> I'm okay. Um, as you know, uh, I'm currently in isolation. Uh, a colleague of mine got sick, which is, which is so sad. Um, and it all happened very, very quickly. She got the call that her husband had uh, tested positive, then she tested positive. And I was out of uh, the building before you could say, you've got to get out of the building. And then I managed to get a test because I wasn't feeling too great. Uh, turns out to be negative, but I'm still in isolation to the 21st, which is driving me nuts, even though it's it's lousy weather out there. Just the fact that I, I'm not allowed to leave the house is, is making me feel like the Birdman of Alcatraz. I, I feel very, very confined. So um, I'm still teaching up until up until friday but even then it's just little things i think oh just nip up to the shops oh can't do that just need to get out of the house to go and pick up this last christmas present can't do that so it's driving me nuts but other than that i'm well but bored i'm playing a lot of a lot of last of us part two right now i've been spending a week with a well I, i call them comfort movies i've been revisiting films that i've seen before some of them have quite a few times one of them wasn't particularly a comfort movie, and that was one that I watched yesterday. I watched all the Lethal Weapon series. Oh, that's always uh, worth it. Apart from apart from four. Oh man, the the quality drop off on the fourth one is phenomenal. Yeah, uh, the first one is great. It's a absolute brilliant, easily to, easy to revisit movie, and the second and third ones are still enjoyable. There's a little bit of the touch towards the farcical comedy, but it's still got that charm to it. It's still got the engaging. Then you get to the fourth one, and you. The fact that it's the same director and the same cast involved, and yet it's all so bad. It's pedestrian, isn't it? Because Lethal Weapon is quite an edgy movie. It, it, was, it wasn't pedestrian. It was a pedestrian who laid down on a zebra crossing and got run over 15 <laughs> times. That's how bad it was. It made that recent TV series look great. And my thoughts on that recent TV series, are not, I, I can't publish them without an NC-17 rating. <laughs> <laughs> It, I watched it last night. I was just like, "Oh my!" Oh, and watching them all three, all four of them back to back, it makes it very apparent how bad that film is. It, it is. It's really, really poor. I mean, three is not particularly very good. I've got a soft spot for two. Uh, yeah, it still feels like a lethal weapon movie. It's got that edge to it. Uh, the first one is just phenomenal. It's it's a classic for me. Um, do you class it as a Christmas movie? Uh, based on what you were talking about the other week on your uh, on your chat, I don't consider films that are just set at Christmas as Christmas movies, unless Christmas is an essential component of the movie. Like Die Hard, you could take Die Hard, you could take Lethal Weapon, you could take Iron Man three, and set them at any other time of the year, and it will still be the same kind of film, and it will still have the same impact, and it will still be just as good. But you wouldn't get Yo Ho Ho as a gag. In, uh... You would have something else. <laughs> well, that's it. You'd have something else, <laughs> but you wouldn't have Die Hard as we know it. Anyway, moving on. So yeah, that's uh, that's. I, I love I love Lethal Weapon. I'm a big fan of, of director Richard Donner. 
has done yeah. some great work, including one of my all-time favorite movies. And um, but you're right, they, they, there is a just a huge drop in quality. Really, after two, uh, three just felt like it was contractual. Four just felt like let's get the band back together, but we've forgotten how to play. Yeah, it, it, it's a mess. Anyway. We've got a lot to cover this week. We have. And uh, in this show, of course, we're going to start with the news. But after that, Andy will be telling us his thoughts on Salma, because that's the classic movie that he missed. And of course, our usual neat things. But now, the news. Right. Let's start with the big news of the past week. And straight after we'd recorded last week, we were, we were prepping ready for all this. We even mentioned it last week. Disney's investors previews that was broadcast to the general public. Is this the first time they've broadcast it or have they done this before? I believe they did it as well last year, but not in such a grand scale as this. This has been like, a, this is a huge thing because normally these kind of investor meet like conferences are purely for investors. Yeah. We don't get to see it. We just get to hear the news about it afterwards. And like, it'll just be media and investors who are involved. But this time they've really gone big and it was a four and a half hours almost streaming presentations covering all the aspects of what Disney are planning for the next few years leading up to 2024 and to let the public all tune in and watch this and you have to realize how many people would have been tuning in to have that feed coming through as clear as it did without glitches fantastic I've got to give credit to Disney they did a really good job it was really well laid out it was well structured in a way to make sure that people kept watching by keeping you know things like Marvel to the end and you know what we'll do the same let's do the yes. same let's play the let's play the Disney game and let's start off with some of the lesser ones we'll work through it from how the investor day presentation went it started off obviously with Bob Chapek the CEO coming out and giving the basic introduction, pointing out that Disney Plus is on 86.8 million subscribers, which has bolstered their confidence in the streaming model's focus. He used the word reinventing for the future quite a lot. And he also used the term challenging the status quo, which for me sounded quite anti-cinema. It sounded like they were challenging the, the normal distribution models by focusing purely to streaming. And it got me a bit worried. I have to admit, it got me a slight bit worried because I, I thought at that point, I'm going to hate everything that they bring to this table now. However, they then followed that when Kareem Daniel came out, who um, started focusing on the consumer behavior driving their focus. And he mentioned day and date releases, cinema and streaming, similar to what Warners have done, except yeah. this time they've actually let you know the people who are making these films know that they're doing this. <laughs> which is where Warner's let themselves down. Well, it is, and just on just to follow that up, uh, I mean, there's still there's still some backlash from from directors and stars over that, with with a lot of people very unhappy. Yes, not only as we talked about last week, the, their back ends, which is you know the money they'll make from from the films films release, but also the fact that movies like Dune were never intended to be seen on on a, on a small screen, no yeah. matter how big the screen is in, in your home. It's nothing compared to seeing in a cinema. And D Denis Villeneuve himself um, had a real go at Warners and basically said that they've killed the Dune franchise before it's even launched. Yeah, he, I agree. He was not happy. But anyway, that's, that's Warners, and we know that they've cocked up with the way that they went about it. The idea isn't the bad thing. How they went about it is the bad thing. Karim stressed that streaming is still the priority, and stated some figures. So over the next two years, there will be 10 new Marvel series, 10 Star Wars series, 15 Disney animations, Pixar's or live action series, and 15 animation, Pixar or live feature films. That much product 
at wow. least is coming. Disney and Pixar films will all go to Disney Plus. Raya will be the first one to get put as a Disney Plus release on Disney Plus Premium at the same time as coming out of the cinemas. And that's the point where I went, thank you, Disney. You've paid attention. You've listened to the criticism you got over what happened with Mulan and what's happening with Soul. They are including cinemas in there. Excellent. They are not cutting them out. Rebecca Campbell came out and gave a lot of waffle about Disney Plus being the top premium content for one distributor. Uh, I'm not really convinced that she was talking sense there, but she did mention that there's European distribution deals going on for the Hulu products with Canal Plus, O2, etc. for their content. But they've also met, brought to the table that they're going to add the star package to Disney Plus. There'll be a small price rise, but a new section will get added in internationally, which will bring Hulu content and your Fox content it will be aimed for families, adults, and teens. The tile will appear on your Disney Plus at some time early next year, and that will give access to Kingsman, Family Guy, things with age controls. So age control restrictions will be added to accounts on there for parental restrictions, and it will give them the benefit of being able to broadcast live events worldwide, bringing things that, you know, you look at Disney Plus at the moment, and it's all for the younger end yeah. of the family market. This is going to be bringing all the more adult content along. This is one of the things that people have campaigned for and said, why don't you do this? Why don't you do this? Why can't Deadpool appear on Disney Plus next year? He can. Excellent. Which is kind of what we've we've been thinking about because we've we've said we used uh, Deadpool as an example, but we also looked at the fact that um, it sort of restricted some of Marvel's other projects, like Blade, for instance. Yes which might be a bit more edgier and not not fit the bill for, for Disney+. Plus. It's great steps that they're making, and it's really going to turn around the service. Because we were only saying a couple of episodes ago, Disney+, Disney Plus. after the initial content burst, there's not a lot on there, is there? No, no. Um, though they seem to be, with these decisions, with a, with a clear eye to rectifying that. Yeah. Uh, Bob Iger came out and pointed out that quality, not volume, is their focus. The rich and diverse content is the ambition. And then Dana Walden came out to talk about some Fox and Disney contents, uh, original series and comedies. It, when, it was uh, amusing because when she started off her introduction, she was like, we're proud of the creations that we've made over the years and loads of images of TV shows. And it was all Fox TV shows from the years. <laughs> it was just like, so right. you're proud of all the stuff that you've bought off other people. You're not proud of your own stuff. But anyway, a quick rundown of um, the content that she said is coming forwards. Steve Martin and Martin Short are going to team up with Selena Gomez for Only Murders in the Building. I, I can watch anything those guys are in, so I'm in. Count me in. Yes. I mean, we didn't get to see the sizzle reel in the UK. It was one which was kept either just for investors or just for people in the US. There were some restrictions on licensing around the world. So I didn't get to get a feel of it. But just having their names involved, and it's like, you know what? I'm the same as you. I could watch them in anything. Uh, the Dropouts with Kate McKinnon. Again, there was no sizzle reel. Dope Sick with Michael Keaton, Rosario Dawson, and Peter Sarsgaard. I mean, th some of these names and these... What a great cast. Projects are great. Uh, Nine Perfect Strangers is Nicole Kidman, Melissa McCarthy, and Regina Hall. I'll reserve judgment because two of those names are really great. One of them has only really been great once or twice. <laughs> uh, and, uh, people, guess. I'll let you guess <laughs> rather than Andy tell you. And son of postcard. Hands Made Tale has been confirmed for season five, which has gone to order. Fantastic. John Langraff from FX came out, and we know that FX were behind The Shield, Nip Talk, Archer, Legion, American Horror Story, etc., etc. And FX is staying as a brand within Disney. And so he presented that Jeff Bridges is going to be in The Old Man. 
American Horror Stories is going to be a new spin-off anthology show by the makers of American Horror Story. Colour me interested. I'm curious about it. What's going to make it stand out differently from what American Horror Story is? I'm kind of guessing with that title then that it's going to be, uh, instead of a season of one story, they're going to be literally episode by episode. Twilight Zone-esque. Yeah. Yeah. Um, BJ Novak of, of Office fame is developing a show called Platform. Taika Waititi has a sitcom called Reservation Dogs in the pipeline. Okay. Why the Last Man is um, coming to FX. And there's, there was a suggestion that FX will be coming to Disney Plus itself as its own little brand, little slot, because the backdrop, as he was presenting this, had like your Disney Plus logos background. You know, the little tap the bar at the top, yeah, yeah. The different channels. And then FX was slapped on the end. It was like, is that getting its own separate brand? Now, internationally, that will drop on, on, under the um, hot star, which we've already been told would yeah. get international. What did uh, amuse me, though, is when they were talking about rolling out the star and hot star internationally, it had like an internationally and in Europe, da, 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 and it showed maps of the locations that we're talking about. And when he said Europe, the UK wasn't in it. <laughs> yes. Well, <laughs> at least uh, it looks like Disney more on the ball than our government at the moment. Yes, it was it, it was kind of like it did maybe initially go, are we not getting it then? Because <laughs> they've not <laughs> even got our map anywhere. I'm sure we will be involved. They've just realized that, you know, we're not Europe starting from next year. That's kind of interesting. Does that mean that we've got to sort of renegotiate our deals as far as what, what, what Disney are offering? Yeah, I mean, that, that's a question that we probably need answering. It's like, does the stepping away from Europe stop any regional uh, licensing is the word? Could be. I mean, I know a lot of a lot of regions uh, that films sell into are region by region because you make more money by that. So it's interesting to see if those will be renegotiated just for the UK as part of part of Europe. But I think with I think with film, we've always sort of stood alone anyway when it comes to our rating system. So it's interesting. Then we got on to the first section that Twitter exploded on. It proper exploded at this point because I was chatting with a few people while this was going on and we were sharing com- like thoughts. And as soon as this section happened, everyone went, whoa, Lucasfilm. Kathleen Kennedy came out to talk about the plans for the Star Wars franchise. And man, now remember earlier when I said that um, Bob Iger said quality, not volume. Well, she's come out and basically just gone completely against that because we have... Two spin-offs from Mandalorian, Rangers of the New Republic and Ahsoka TV so- series. Now, if, if the Ahsoka episode did feel like a, a bit of a backdoor pilot. Even this whole season for Mando, for me, has felt like it's been... They've been gathering characters together. He's been setting up this ring of characters who you know that they're going to get spun off to their own little story. And that's where the Rangers of the New Republic is coming from. It's coming from all these interactions that he's been building. That's in the pipeline, that's happening. Uh, Stellan Skarsgård and Diego Luna are going to be in an Andor series, which is seeing Diego Luna reprise his role from Rogue One. And that's already started production. The Obi-Wan series, which we already know was greenlit, now has Hayden Christensen reprising the role of Darth Vader for the series, with production due to start in March 2021. Now, the Hayden Christensen thing. I don't know about you, but all I've seen is people getting really giddy and excited about Hayden Christensen returning as Vader. It's interesting because nobody liked him the first time around. So yeah, I, it's only that nostalgia thing. When did we flip into an alternate reality where people liked the prequels? Because <laughs> I'm completely baffled at this point in time. Because I have tried since 
those films came out to tell people that Hayden Christensen is a good actor. You just need to look at things like Shattered Glass to see what he's capable of. And no one listened to me. No one wanted it. Everyone thought I was mad. Now, all of a sudden, I'm the odd one out saying, why are you getting excited about him coming back from Vader? He's not going to be battling against Obi-Wan. He can't. Otherwise, that goes against the dialogue of A New Hope. So it's not going to be a big clash of the two. Because if it is, they've just broke their own history. It will probably be flashbacks. It will probably be small little sections. But I don't get why people are excited for it. Anyway, uh, animated shows. They've got The Bad Batch, which follows a Clone, For- Clone Force 99. It's a Clone Wars-styled animation about clone troopers during the rise of the Empire. Right. You've got Star Wars Visions, which is an anime anthology series. And this, ooh, this looks juicy. This looks similar to, remember the Animatrix? Yes. Yes, I do. That little section of like just individual stories tying into the mythology. This is what Star Wars Visions is. It's the Animatrix for the Star Wars universe. Uh, Lando is returning for a Disney Plus series because, of course, he is. So I'm wondering if that means we're going to get Donald Glover coming back to play Lando. I suspect as much because he, he's been quite passionate about wanting to do anything with that character. So I'd, I'd, I'd expect as much. Because if you think about it, Andy, you, you, if you're signing up for 10 episodes, yeah, it's, it's a fairly short run. And you could even do it. Do you remember, remember the Indiana Jones series? Oh, yes. Which had the old indie not played by Harrison Ford looking back over his life you you could do that similar sort of concept uh, and have billy d williams in it yeah it'd be it'd be an interesting one to look for because we saw billy d williams return as lando in um, the last star wars film yeah so yeah let's see what happens with that as it gets developed uh, russian doll creator is bringing us the acolyte which is set in the final days of the high republic era there's an animation called a droid story which is r2 and 3po and I kind of guess that we're forgetting about the droids cartoon from 1985. <laughs> there was that in the Ewoks. The droids <laughs> one was the better show, and they were both terrible. They were both bad. Uh, there's a Willow series, which is going to be set decades after the movie, with Warwick Davis returning, and John Chu is directing the pilot. And Taika Waititi is working on a Star Wars feature, and Pat- Patty Jenkins has also been roped in to work on a Rogue, Rogue Squadron movie. I saw the little teaser that she put together. Did you? Did they show that? Yeah. They did, yes. Now, that's a lot of content for Star Wars. It is. And you know what? It answers some of the points that you've talked about quite passionately about Star Wars is is move away from the Skywalkers. Yes. There's a lot of branching out. And I'm assuming the the offshoots of Mandalorian uh, is going to be under the... Under the hand of uh, Favreau and and Dave Filoni. Uh, Filoni's definitely involved. I'm not sure how much Favreau's involved with the spin-offs, but he'll at least be an executive producer, I reckon. It's funny that, that Dave Filoni has been the one who's who's carried the mantle, probably more so than Lucas now, as far as, yeah. as, far as Star Wars goes. Yep. I, I thought that it was a really solid presentation. Uh, Kathleen Kennedy gets a lot of flack. There's a lot of fanboys who like think that she should get sacked because she doesn't know what she's doing. But clearly, she does. And she's one of, she's yeah. one of the top producers in, <laughs> in the yeah. world. So I, it's, I, I, think, I think there's a... You're never going to make Star Wars fans happy unless, you know, if you think there's too much content, don't watch. It's as simple as that. But she reinvented a a franchise that, as we've mentioned, after the original prequels, it was kind of on its arse a little bit. There was a lot of bad faith. and, And no matter what you think to Force Awakens, it brought back a public. And clearly Mandalorian yeah. has proved that that you don't have to play in the in the Skywalker sandpit. Yeah, there's a good mix in there of ones that are tied to the core series, like your Obi-Wan spin-off, etc., but a lot of original ideas as well. 
And that means that there's something for everyone. Yeah. I'm excited for all the ones that aren't tied to the original concept because it gives them something. It gives them something fresh, something unpredictable to play with. The next section of the content was Disney Plus content, which is coming. There's a Mighty Ducks Game Changers TV series. Okay. For, for those who like Mighty Ducks. Turner and Hooch TV series. Remember earlier this year when we were talking about how executives who are of our age <laughs> are remembering all these things from when they were young and thinking, oh, wouldn't it be great to bring them back? That's what's happening. There's a Beauty and the Beast prequel TV series. Okay. I've, I've heard about that. That's been that's been on the cards for some time, which is to, which is mainly dealing with two of the characters out of that, from what I, I was led to believe, rather than sort of the Beast itself. Yeah. There's a high school basketball and girl power celebration series called Big Shot. Of course there is. There's something called Mysterious Benedict Society. Okay. And and then there's the, the TV series adaptation of the Percy Jackson novels. Uh, Percy Jackson didn't really get a chance to shine on the big screen. It didn't quite find its audience. I think in a series, this could be something worth watching. I think so. And also the author of the, uh, uh, of the books really didn't like the film adaptations. So... It's, it seems like a great place to, to restart the franchise and see it as a TV. As we already know, it's with Disney Plus, you've got so many options. As I just said, if you, if you don't like it, you don't have to dip into it. But we've seen how some failed movie adaptations have just found their feet with serialized television. We're currently watching uh, the Lemony Sticket TV series, yes. which outshines outshines the uh, uh, the film tremendously and and doesn't lack in quality. Oh, it's, it's a cracking series. Uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that whole series run. Um, more remakes and sequels come in, a, in amongst one or two new ideas, and I'll rattle through the list as quick as possible with the Fox and Disney properties. Hocus Pocus 2, because uh, why not? Three Men and a Baby remake with Zac Efron. It's, it's always been due, but it's again, it'll find its feet probably better on disney plus an nba drama about undocumented immigrants called greek freak uh, flora and ulysses which is about a girl and her squiddle which has powers <laughs> is that is that for disney plus or for a late night channel i really don't know <laughs> um, cheaper by the dozens getting a remake okay as a TV series as it does uh, diary of a wimpy kid animated movie okay which kind of fits the books a lot better than the films did there's an Ice Age spin-off for Disney Plus called Adventures of Buck Wild. There's a Night at the Museum animated sequel. Dwayne Johnson and Emily Blunt are going to star in an action film called Jungle Cruise. Um, you've got Lion King 2, pre which is going to be a prequel with Barry Jenkins directing. There's the Little Mermaid live action that we already know about. There's Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers, Rangers voiced by Andy Samberg and Josh Delaney, which straight away, that those two names have made me just go, I want to see this. <laughs> uh, Pinocchio live action movie for Disney Plus. Sister Act 3 for Disney+. Plus. And we are, we've already reported on this, but it was confirmed that Cruella is going to Disney+. Plus. Yeah, we thought as much. And they announced a film that I've been waiting for since 2008 when I fell in love with the first film. There's a sequel to Enchanted called Disenchanted. Okay, great title. I, I, I've got a lot of love for Enchanted. I thought it was a, a very neat and clever, clever film. Yes, I, I I saw that at a Slate presentation day a couple of months before it came out, and I sat there ready to hate the film. I thought, oh, why did they, they forcing this on us? And by the end of it, I was in tears, and I was like, I love this film, <laughs> and I can't wait to see Amy Adams reprise that role, because she is reprising the role. They're not recasting. It's a oh, really? to Enchanted. Yep. And she's kind of eternal looking, isn't she, Amy Adams? Oh, 
Yes, Eternals, a tame word. <laughs> I'd use NC-17 words, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, Disney Animations were next, and we have a Big Hero 6 TV series. I enjoyed Big Hero a lot. Yes, I, I mean, the comic book uh, like aspects of that called out for it to be spun off and do more things with, and so finally we're getting a TV series to play with the idea. Uh, Zootopia is getting a Zootopia Plus TV series, which is going to be a spoofing of real-world shows done in the Zootopia universe. I've got a lot of love for Zootopia. I quite like that aspect. Rather than just doing a Zootopia TV series spinning off from the films, they're doing the kind of TV shows that the people, the the animals in Zootopia would watch. Interesting. That's that's smart. I do like. That's a smart idea. You see, that's why we they make the big books. I'd never thought of that idea. It's it's just clever. Like it's such a. I love meta. I love meta kind of ideas, and this is a great little meta idea. Um, Princess and the Frog is getting a spin-off in a TV series focusing on Tiana. Okay. Moana is getting a TV series, which will explore more Hawaiian laws and myths and legends in that same kind of style. And there's an Iwaju series, which is set in Nigeria and steeped in sci-fi. And in fall 2021, the 60th feature animation um, will be like from Disney, which is set in Colombia, is called Encanto. It's a charmed place of wonders. Zootopia directors and Lin-Manuel Miranda is bringing the songs. Wow. It, it was the first tease of them. We didn't get to see much of it, but it's going to be the 60th feature animation from the studio. So obviously they're going to be going big with this one. Great ideas. Just going back a story to the Nigerian one. That's been an interesting story. I've been following that. So they're teaming up with a, a, a Nigerian studio, which is just a, a fantastic idea to, to, to broaden out what Disney do. Yeah. I'm loving the direction that they're going with some of these things. There's a lot of like throwbacks to old things that were favorites, but they've still got the new stuff coming out. Pixar. Right. So we know that Soul isn't getting the cinema release. That's due out next week, straight to Disney Plus. We won't we won't see it in the cinemas at all. So we're getting that on Christmas Day in the UK, aren't we? Yep. We'll also get a new short animation, um, which is part of the Pixar's Spark Shorts series of animations called Burrow, which lands on Christmas Day. There's more documentaries doing the inside Pixar, etc. But they're also going to be doing Pixar popcorn series, which are going to be some of their favourite characters throughout all their Pixar history in brand new shorts. That will start to come out next year. There's also a spin-off from Up called Doug Days, which is going to focus on Doug. And when they announced it, I went, oh, really? And then they showed us a trailer. and I was, <laughs> You were bought, you were sold. I, 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 I fell in love with it. And it looks like it could be so much fun. Doug was such an amusing character. And seeing him reacting to a puppy was fantastic. The, <laughs> the trailer's out there. Get on YouTube, get it watched. Of course, one of the hottest properties, not for its critical reaction or how well it did at the box office, but for the merchandise was the Cars series. So, of course, there's going to be a film focusing on a road trip with Lightning and Mater for 2022. Yeah, you can't have everything in life, but, you know, these are, <laughs> these are wonderful days that we're living in. Who'd have thought it, to be honest, Andy? Who'd have thought we'd have had this much content, after, especially after the year that we've had? Who'd have guessed? Um, they then announced the first foray into a long-form animated series for, for Pixar. There's been spin-offs of Pixar things, like there was uh, Buzz Lightyear Star Command series, but it wasn't Pixar. It was a Disney yeah. project. There's been spin-offs of quite a lot of their stuff, but it's never been them. Or they've done little individual one-shot short animations. But they're actually doing the, an actual animated series, 
which is called Win or Lose. It is about a softball team on the run-up to a championship game. And it tells the story of the run-up to it from different character perspectives each episode. Okay, that sounds nice. I love the idea. I love the idea of anything being told from different viewpoints. So you get to see, like, you know, the people who think that they're the good guys might not be when yeah. they're seen from a different perspective, etc. 2023, we've got to wait for that one. But it's Pixar. I, I have faith in them. In 2022, the company started, like, they're working on Turning Red, which is a Pixar animation about a confident 13-year-old girl called May who's balancing life issues and also the fact that whenever she gets frustrated or excited, she turns into a giant red panda. <laughs> I, I, I'm sold. I, I'm actually <laughs> sold on, on that concept. I think it's a, what a fantastic concept. As I said, that's why they're, they're paid the big bucks and we're not. It's Hulk for fairies, basically. <laughs> and oh, yeah, um, also yeah. in 2022, we get Lightyear. And this is the film which is going to focus on the character that within the Toy Story universe inspired the toy that was spun off from this real-life astronaut hero. Now that is meta. <laughs> yeah. And it's star- it's starring America's ass himself. Oh yeah, America's ass, Chris Evans. I- I'm sold on the concept of it. I love the idea that because when th- when it flashed up light year, I was like, oh, not a Toy Story spin-off. And then they explained it's not. This is the film that within the Toy Story universe inspired the toys of Buzz Lightyear from this real actual action hero. And I was like, okay, done. I'm in. And you think of the, the other smart aspect of it. They, they they can recast, revoice cast with Chris Evans and and basically move on from the issues that they've got with Tim Allen, who's, uh, I believe, and I've been led to believe that there is some sort of, uh, he, he's, he's very right wing and some of his sort of Twitter feed has, has, has been a bit unsavory. I may be wrong on that and please don't sue me, Tim Allen, if I am wrong, but it gives, it gives the opportunity for Disney to make a brand new start. Before we get to the final part of the roundup and the Q&A section, which came a bit later, one of the questions was on theatre exhibition and streaming and the answer to how they're going to focus. They said that 80% at least is going first to Disney Plus. Some things will be a split release with cinemas, but they're looking at around 15 to 20% of their properties for the big screen will go to theatres first, even if it's just for a few weeks. And that's where we get to, basically, what will go to theatres before it goes to Disney+. Plus, Marvel. Well, as we said, uh, maybe last week, maybe the week before, when we were talking about Marvel, Marvel have got their own very unique creative deal with Disney. And even though Disney are the distributors, they aren't involved with Marvel's creativity. Yeah. Mar- um, Feige came out to present this one, and the guy's a legend. But every one of the big screen films that he spoke about, he made clear it was getting released in theatres. It gets released on the big screen. It's exclusively to the theatres. Marvel have a say in how their properties are presented, and this is where the majority of the cinema environments will be done. This is why Black Widow's not going straight to Disney+. Plus. Marvel doesn't yeah. want it to. So, obviously, we saw the new Division trailer. Yeah, I've seen them all. So, let's go through. Looks great. Really excited for it. It's only a few short weeks away. Yeah. Uh, and I'm very intrigued. It, it gave so much away without giving nothing away. It was like a, a, a fantastic card trick. I'm going, yeah, I think I know what it's about, but I, I don't really know. I think I've sussed it. Yeah, I could be wrong. Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness has added the character of America Chavez to the roster. And Tom Holland's going to be part of that as well, from what I believe, isn't he? I think everyone's going to be a part of it at this rate. Same as everyone's going to be a part of um, Spidey 3. Um, and it was conf- well, it was confirmed by Feige that 
Doctor Strange Multiverse of Madness will tie directly into Spider-Man 3, even though that's a Sony film. Right. Uh, Falcon and Winter Soldier trailer popped up, looks as polished as expected. Can't wait. Oh, Yeah, it was interesting with that because it just felt exactly what you wanted to see. Uh, there, there was nothing surprising about it. It it just delivered exactly what you were hoping it was going to deliver. Black Widow has May the 7th, 2021 for its big screen release. That's been set in stone now. They're pretty confident. The Loki series will be arriving in May 2021 as well. What did you think to that? It's a crime thriller. That first look trailer. Wow. Confirmed, confirmed that it spun straight from the time meddling of Endgame. But I love the fact that they're going, to, going down like a murder mystery kind of approach rather than it, it is a Loki detective drama. And I love the fact that some of the images were straight from the comic book. Yeah, including the new helmet design. Um, there was one that reminded me of the cover. The, the election campaign badge that he has. Yeah. Uh, that everything was just like, yeah, there's going to be nods and references. I'm not expecting it to follow the storyline of the comic books, but I'm loving that they're doing something slightly different with the character at the same time. Did you pick up on the D.B. Cooper thing? Or do you know the D.B. Cooper thing? No. So you know the shot of Loki when he's on the plane? And yeah. he dives off the plane. Yeah. Apparently, he's D.B. Cooper. It was a guy who robbed... You'll Check it out, folks. I can't remember the exact legend. But he was a, a true guy who basically uh, disappeared off a plane uh, yeah. with lots and lots of money. And it just sort of ties in. in Because <laughs> we know that Loki's jumping about time, yeah. that he's D.B. Cooper, which, again, was a fantastic little nod. Did we, did we manage to um, work out who Owen Wilson's playing? No. Um, I've not I've not seen any confirmation on who he's who he's cast as. Still is a mystery. I'm still looking forward to uh, to working it out. But yeah, I, I couldn't work out who Owen Wilson was. Uh, the What If animated series. We saw the teaser trailer for that, and that's coming out in summer 2021. Now I, I'm a huge What If fan. I have all of the volume one of the comics and all of the volume two of the comics, and then since volume two ended, they've done like occasional sporadic ones to tie into big events. I love this whole aspect of exploring different ways of doing it and i love the animation design i was going to start i was going to stop you right there and go didn't it look gorgeous oh so man it looked it, word that I'll use. It, it looked really bright really colorful i mean of course if you if you connect it to disney and you, you are going to be expected to deliver high class animation but it had a really really nice almost a hand-drawn quality to it yeah. It's it, this is my most anticipated series. I mean, as much as I'm looking forward to Loki, Falcon, the Winter Soldier, etc. What if is my bag, baby, and I'm well on board for it. So, if you've not seen the trailer, there's there's the nod to T'Challa being Star Lord, which is uh, Chadwick Boseman's last performance for Marvel. There was Peggy Carter as Captain Britain, which was fantastic. Uh, there was great to hear Awuta's voice at last, after all this time narrating it, just like the comics. Yeah. And then it had that shot at the end uh, of the Captain America zombie. Yeah. I, I, I loved it. It looks so, so sumptuous. It gives them it gives them the chance to explore, well, the what-ifs. They can go in different directions than what the films have done and go, well, what if this happened? And that's what I've always loved about What If. Uh, Shang-Chi production has wrapped uh, July the 9th, 2021 in, is when it gets released, and it will be the first official film for Phase 4. Right. And there's no footage for that, which is disappointing. I'm yeah. still looking forward to seeing uh, some sort of teaser for Shang-Chi and Eternals. Ms. Marvel TV series lands in the fall of 2021, and Ms. Marvel will also co-star in Captain Marvel 2. Yeah, I saw that. That's interesting. So that leads into it. That could lead into all the other aspects where... 
you've got Monica Rambeau, who's clearly in, in Vision. Yep. Uh, is she going to make it into Captain she, Marvel? Yes, she's been confirmed as joining Captain Marvel 2 as well. So it is going to be the Captain Marvels, basically. Um, Eternals, November the 5th, 2021 is the release date. Hawkeye series is slated for the back end of 2021. Which we know they're shooting right now. Uh, and they never really made that official announcement, did they, on uh, on the casting? But we've seen all the photographs that are all over the net. Yeah. Um, She-Hulk series. Now, we speculated that Tatiana Maslany was cast a few episodes ago. It was confirmed fully during this presentation. And Tim Roth will be returning as the Abomination, which he played. What in a great Incredible idea. Hulk. Tying it all together, keeping it keeping it within the, the, the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Mark Ruffalo will appear, and the series will be taking the She-Hulk as a lawyer aspect. It will be a, a slightly comical series about how you balance work life when you're a super being. And which is just like the comics. Anyone who read that era of the comics will know how much joy there can be with her trying to defend criminals that she's taken down herself. Yeah. Moon Knight series was confirmed. Secret Invasion for Disney Plus. See, we'll see Talos and Nick Fury team up. That's being so. Confirmed. That's the Nick Fury series we'd be hearing about. Yes, it's going to be based loosely on Secret Invasion, which will see Skrulls infiltrating high levels of society and superherodom. And Talos and Fury will be the ones trying to uncover them. Um, Ironheart has got a TV series, which is Riri Williams, the character. Basically, it's a young teenage female Iron Man. She develops Iron Man-esque armor at a really early age and became like the, the new Iron Man character. There's an Armor Wars TV series with Don Cheadle reprising his role as... Amazing. A war machine, but is he going to be stepping fully into the Iron Man role for this? What a world we live in. I remember growing up and the only thing on TV was the Incredible Hulk series and a, and a dodgy Spider-Man series and Wonder Woman. You oh. know, and now we've got the closest approximations to, to, the, to the comics that we, that we grew up and loved. Uh, James Gunn is not only writing and directing Guardians of the Galaxy 3, but he jokingly mentioned that he's got a love for the Star Wars holiday special and managed to get the thumbs up to greenlight his Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. <laughs> uh, now, I heard about this and it left a silly smile on my face because, of course, James Gunn can. And, and there's follow-up news on, on what James Gunn's doing as well, isn't there? Uh, well, there's an I Am Groot series of shorts as well. That's the one. will be spun off from it. So Guardians of the Galaxy is expanding out itself. Thor Love and Thunder will start filming in January. And Christian Bale has now been confirmed as playing Gore the God Butcher. I've not read the Jason Aaron run on Thor, but I've heard just very good things about it because that became the, the Lady Thor storyline. Yeah, I've not read it either. So I'll probably be delving into that on my Marvel Unlimited app before the film actually arrives. Uh, Blade, again, was confirmed. Ant-Man and the Wasp, Mania has been confirmed. And it looks like Blade's coming out before Captain Marvel 2 as well. So yes. it's clearly a long way into development. And I'm surprised we've not heard news of a director on it. Uh, there's a tribute to Chadwick Boseman in there, which is a very nice touch. Um, they confirmed yet again that they're not going to recast the role. But Black Panther 2 will still be coming in 2022 round, and planned for July the 8th. And then there was the announcement that made my heart explode with delight. John Watts is developing the Fantastic Four. What a great choice of director, because he has that 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 very cool, breezy style, which is exactly what you want for the Fantastic Four. The Fantastic Four is not overwrought. 
like uh, like Joss Whedon's Avengers or, or the Russo Brothers' Avengers. It should have a breezy style, which, the, in all fairness, the Tim Story movies slightly got right in a couple of places, but yeah. sort of dodged it. And I, I think I think he's an absolutely fantastic choice. Clearly, you know, his his time with Spider Man must be coming to an end because I don't know how many films Tom Holland signed up for, but he's 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 over halfway through. Uh, if you count the two Avengers movies and uh, this Doctor Strange movie uh, and Civil War, so he's you know. He's probably only got one more movie left in him, so perfectly that he's going to explore more of the Marvel Universe. Quick question, because I was as giddy as you were, and I, they showed the logo, and and I, I loved it. Um, it instantly brings to mind that w- the next anticipation is who's the cast going to be. Uh, who, who would you who would you cast? Any any thoughts on that? Uh, I'm a, I'm firmly behind the campaign for John Krasinski to be Reed Richards. Yeah, it's the obvious. It's an obvious choice, and you know, there's been that much speculation of it. Then uh, uh, it, it would be a shame that him and him and his good lady um, yeah. didn't didn't make the cast. Um, it'd be interesting if they go sort of multiracial again yeah. uh, and do something along those lines. I I, I can't think. Be nice to get a Jewish actor to play uh, Ben Grimm because he's ben Jewish uh, and he's thing and he's the thing. But it's it's it, interesting days of seeing, hopefully, seeing the finally the Fantastic Four movie we, we've always wanted to see. Yeah, uh, we get to see them as part of the MCU with other characters around them, which is what Fantastic Four, the first family. And I'm looking at my Funko Pop images of the Fantastic Four on my desk in front of me as I'm talking. This is how much I love the Fantastic Four. And, As you yeah. said, the first family, first Marvel family. Interesting choice for me. I tell you, I'd go for for Reed Richards. I don't know about anybody else. Will Smith. Okay. 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 <laughs> Throwing it out there. <laughs> Will Smith. <laughs> let's let's see who they manage to pick for it, and it it will clearly be one that I'm going to be salivating over any news that drops in the coming years on this one. Uh, to quickly round up the whole feeling of the Disney thing. So there's 100 plus new titles per year that they're planning to bring out for Disney Plus. So that answers our speculation of like, what are they bringing new to Disney Plus to make it worth subscribing? 100 plus new titles each year. Disney Plus expected by the end of 2024 to have between 60 million and 90 million subscribers. Wow. They've already got 86.8 million. Wow. So now they've revised to, they expect between 230 to 260 million by the end of 2024. They're still running at a loss because they're investing all the money in to make sure there's content, but they expect to achieve profitability on the service by 2024. And they're learning from the 12 years of the Hulu brand that they've been running on what works and what doesn't work. They are clearly got their financial heads screwed on. This was a great presentation. Has it changed my opinion on Disney? To a degree. Now, that now that they've said that they will be releasing things alongside their Disney Plus on the big screen, I'm a bit more forgiving for them. I still hate the fact that they screwed over cinemas and put cinema industry at risk this year by pulling Mulan and by cancelling Soul. Um, they weren't the only distributors to mess over cinemas, but they were the ones who really messed them over and wouldn't even acknowledge that cinemas were open and were willing to show things alongside their streaming service. At least they've learned that lesson, but they've still got to go a great step before they completely get me back on board. But they were taking a step in the right direction. It was a great presentation. It was really polished, and it was marvellous that they were sharing this kind of information with the general public. Yeah, all kudos to Disney on that one. It's uh, They know the interest is out there now. 
and especially in the year that we've had as well we you know we've got a, there's a lot of good faith to to catch up on as, as you've just mentioned but you know as i keep saying we live in amazing days when we are getting you know getting the quality there's not just there's not just the quantity there is the quality of course some shows are going to be better than others some won't make it um in the way that we anticipate but you know what a great starting point uh, yeah. I, i'm very excited you know the star wars news um the pixar news and and of course the marvel news just just sounds absolutely fantastic and uh, there's an audience out there and it's ever growing and it doesn't look anytime soon that the interest from the public in 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 those sorts of uh, franchises is going away we're just going to be fed even more stuff i said glorious days for it uh, so the question andy is uh, other than what else in the news i'm guessing you're not going to get in rid of you disney plus subscription anytime soon i've got it until march because i had a year paid for and i'm more and more i'm getting more and more likely to resubscribe so long as they stick to these plans and i'll know by march because raya gets released in march and if they pull on their proposal of it going to cinemas at the same time as disney plus i will not renew my subscription but if they stick to what they're saying and they do support cinemas going into the 2021 i'll stay with them so that's the disney news what are the news have we got out there see we we told you this was going to be a long one today yeah 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 um so let's flip from disney to warner brothers and whilst some parts of the uk are getting to see wonder woman today we can't help but be disappointed that we're not i know gutted to be honest but on the warner brothers aspect of dc uh, batman versus superman by my favorite director is going to get an original aspect ratio release because this was filmed in imax so it was designed to be more square and tall um, so the new aspect will add more to the top and bottom of the picture it won't make it a better film though will it andy It'll still be exactly the same film. You just get to see more of the absolute mess that's on there. And also, Zack Snyder's Justice League is now looking to be set for a four-hour cinematic release, which Zack has said is R-rated because, guess what? Batman swears. Yeah, because that's going to alienate part of your audience instantly right there. It's it, it's great. I mean, he's obviously tailoring this film purely to his 30-year-old fan base. And I'm sorry, I've seen already people online saying like oh well you know of course if you were put in situations like that you'd swear as well it's like there's loads of films that managed to get away with not doing it hey battlestar galactica was one of the best mature tv series set in a sci-fi universe from this century and they managed to get around it by changing the word to something else you don't need the f-bomb to be adult and mature you're just showing that you're juvenile and you can't write Sorry, if you can't write your way around Batman not being able to swear, then you don't deserve to handle the property. The comic books, he doesn't swear in the comic books. And when he does, it has like strange asterisk symbols and things like that. But it's very rare. He's normally a lot more reserved than that. Don't get it. But you know what? Give it the four hour cinematic release. Let's see it bomb at the box office like it did last time. <sighs> Moving away from Zack Move Snyder. On. <laughs> quickly, quickly. Uh, I believe there's some casting news on Black Adam. Quintessa Swindle will be playing Cyclone in the Dwayne Johnson DC movie. Not a character I'm, I'm familiar with at all. I'm, a lot of the Justice Society stuff is 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 not my bag, re- really. So um, I'm, I don't know anything about Cyclone, but Quintessa Swindle will be playing her. You've got some Chris Pine news, though, haven't you? Oh, Chris Pine. He's in the running to star in a D&D movie for Paramount and E1. Uh, do you remember the, the great Dungeons & Dragons movie from the early part of this century? You threw me with the word great. With Jeremy Irons in it. <laughs> yes, as I said, threw me with the word great. It's great if you've got a drink of alcoholic beverage 
to work through while you're watching it and taking the mickey out of it. Um, well, the gate, the directors behind Game Night, Jonathan Goldstein and John Francis Daly, are working on a new reboot of the D&D franchise for the big screen. Now, there's so much potential with the D&D franchise. Where they went wrong last time is they didn't take it seriously. We're in a more enlightened era where people realise that fantasy can be taken more seriously. So, fingers crossed, this one will pay off. Um, Chris Pine is in the running to star in the film, which will follow a warrior and some mystical creatures as they set off on a quest for treasure. I remember those guys wrote the first uh, Spider-Man Homecoming movie. They did, yes. So it's, I think it's in safe hands. Um, we probably won't, We probably won't get the camp and farce that we had last time. Ben Affleck is also pulling a Houdini for Dan Trachtenberg in a biopic about the escapologist's life. I've got, I've got this huge fascination ever since seeing the Tony Curtis, George Powell film about Houdini. Um, so I'm always willing to give another Houdini movie a, a, a big chance. Same here. I think there's a lot to explore with this character. Even though we know a lot about Houdini's life, there's so much mythology around him and so much mystery that you don't know what's actually true and what isn't to some degree. And I think it's great to have films to explore it in different aspects. Uh, Brian K. Vaughan, who we mentioned Why the Last Man, which he was the creator of, Disney have like making a series like that, but he's also penning the new Buck Rogers series that we spoke about a few months ago. A fantastic choice, and he's 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 been a showrunner before. Uh, he he worked on Lost, and he was the in charge of the first season, the best season of Stephen King's Under the Dome. And of yes. course, as you said, Why the Last Man is due very soon. But he also pens one of my all time favorite favorite comics, which I'm going to go back and reread, which is Saga. Uh, and that will be when I do reread it. That will be my neat thing because it's absolutely brilliant. <laughs> and it'd be great to say I've I've been saying for ages that that Book Rogers is just is just perfect to be reinvented. I mean, those of us old enough to remember the Gil Gerard eighties series and uh, um, probably best best left in the eighties. But you can do so much with it. And of course, there was that kind of unofficial Farscape. Yeah. Uh, there was Farscape, which was sort of Book Rogers um, ish, but with Brian K. Vaughan connected to it and legendary pictures are producing it. I can't wait. Yep. It's Don Murphy and Susan Bonford are producing alongside Flint Dill, who's the grandson of the original creator of Book Rogers, Philip Francis Nolan. Right. I've got some more news. Interesting because I, if you remember at the beginning of the year, just before I got laid off for, for coronavirus, I was wor- working on a Whitney Houston tour, which was to do with a hologram. Yeah. There is casting news this week that Naomi Aki, will be playing Whitney Houston in a new biopic. And she was in Star Wars, but I don't remember who she was in Star Wars. Uh, she was played the character Janna. She was the stormtrooper from the First Order who um, aided the Resistance in that final battle of last like, in uh, Rise of Skywalker. And I still don't know who she was. Anyway, the film is, <laughs> is being directed by Stella Maggie uh, and has the backing of the Houston estate. And uh, Bohemian Rhapsody's Anthony McCartan is writing the script. Fantastic. Uh, Searchlight are planning a Muhammad Ali biopic focused on the boxer's refusal to join the army in 1967 for Vietnam. Oh, that's an interesting take on it because we've seen the seen Ali, the Michael Mann film. Which is basically his rise to um, heavyweight champion, wasn't it? Uh, well, after he won the heavyweight title in 64, two years later, he discovered that the draft board had made him eligible to be drafted, to which he passionately objected. And a year later, he was convicted of draft evasion and fought to have the conviction overturned because he wasn't allowed to box. Right. Like, well, the conviction was there. And it's going to be directed by The Last Tree's Shora Amu. I've not seen The Last Tree. 
I'll probably give it a shot to see what kind of approach we can expect from that director. It's a, it's a unique approach to to a biopic. I prefer a moment in time to a, to a lifetime story in a biopic. I think that's always more interesting. Have you seen today that Ben Wheatley's uh, uh, latest film that he made under cover of COVID has uh, landed a teaser uh, in the earth? It's kind of trippy. It's kind of Ben Wheatley. Gives nothing away, but it is... Uh, due for release next year. Well, I mean, as you know from our talking about his films over the past couple of months, I'm quite intrigued to see. I've not seen the trailer. I will give it a check. Uh, Tom Cruise had a fiery rant at the Mission Impossible crew that has broke the news today. I heard about this. Andy, explain the fiery rant. So his very not-safe-for-work rant is very akin to Christian Bale's rant on Terminator Salvation for the passion, the fury, and indeed the language behind it. However, this time it's for the right reasons. There's been breaking of COVID restrictions on the production of Mission Impossible. And he has a real go at the whole crew about how he's not going to accept it. It's people's lives and jobs are at risk if they have to shut down production. He, he has spent a lot of time planning this production because he's a producer on the films, not just he a is. star. It's his, his baby in every, every way. In making sure that all the steps are in place to keep this production going. And he's also been advising other studios and productions on how they can manage their schedules as well. So he, he says in the rants, like, I'm on, I'm on the phone to studios every night. I'm doing this, I'm doing that, and I'm not going to have it. I don't want to see it. If, if any of this happens, you're fired. I will fire any of you on the spot if I catch this. And I completely get it. Yeah. There's some people online saying like, oh, oh, he's a bit up himself and he shouldn't be shouting at people like that. It's like, you, you realise how much is at threat by if we shut down production? How much it costs to shut down production again? You know, we've already talked about, about Bond looking now that will never likely make its its money back because of all the interest it has to pay on uh, on its loan to, to pay for the film. It's an expensive process. And you would do what any manager would do. You would reprimand those who are endangering your job and your career. I mean, some people have said, like, it, it, it's not right that he's shaming people. He doesn't name any people. He doesn't target individuals. He is basically having a rant at the whole production crew. He is making it clear to everyone without pointing fingers that he's not going to accept it. And I'm fully behind him. Good man. I'm, I totally agree. Yeah, I've seen some people support, like quite a lot of people supporting him on this. There's a lot, he's, there's a lot of like positivity around it with people saying he's good, like well done, you're doing the right thing. And I've seen people who work within the industry who've worked with him saying like he must have been pushed right to a breaking point because this is not what he's normally like. He's normally one of the best people to work with. He's normally such a great guy to work for. So he's clearly at the end of his tether and this must have been building but kudos to him he's uh, he's voiced his opinion well done and let's round off the news with uh, something which will bring a bit of joy to both of our hearts we're both fans of fantasy island as we've mentioned a few times this year we are and i i'm, I'm tempted to call out the plane boss but i'm not going to i'm going to restrain myself um because we've all done that cliche at least once and whilst the recent big screen outing may not have set the world afire and it's not as good as it should have been, there's a TV series getting made, which will uh, take the more anthology approach of the island with visitors coming, looking for desires, but learning something dark or secretive about themselves at the same time. Uh, Sony, Gemstone and Fox Entertainment are teaming up for this reboot. 
and it's planned to debut in summer 2021. Because originally it was an anthology program. It was just kind of a mysterious version of, of uh, The Love Boat. You know, different characters appearing every week. So you get every week you get a, a new guest star. But the original yeah. pilot was very, very dark and very mysterious. The series went way off and became this sort of, uh, as I say, love boat light. Um, the remake with uh, Malcolm McDowell in it kind of returned to that mystery roots. But for all intent and purposes, this can quite easily, as Bloomhouse tried to do, but this could be uh, an anthology horror TV series. So that's uh, something positive to round off the news. With. I can feel the joy. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the item we call the news. If you stuck around for this length of time, then clearly you're enjoying yourself. And if you want to enjoy yourself even more, then all you have to do is subscribe if you haven't done already. And please leave a review because, well, it's coming up to Christmas and all the reviews matter in these stormy days. Right, over the last couple of weeks, as you know, uh, Andy has been catching up with films that he's missed. Not just any old film, I tell you, but classics. Classics which were Oscar-worthy and nominated and won awards, but Andy, for some reason, unknowns to science, has not had a chance to see. Last week, we picked the year 2015. Oh, it seems like a lifetime ago. And our choice for Andy to watch was indeed Selma. I'm no different than anybody else, but I'll not be focusing on what I want. Martin Luther King is here. Mr. President, people are dying. You march those people into rural Alabama, it's going to be open season. What happens when a man stands up, says enough is enough? Directed by Ava DuVernay, written by Paul Webb. It's based on the 1965 Selma to Montgomery voting rights march, initiated and directed by James Bevel, and led by Martin Luther King, Hosea Williams, and John Lewis. The film starred David Ayuelo, Tom Wilkinson, Tim Roth, Carmen Ajijo and Coretta Scott King and Common as Bevel. Andy, what were your views on Selma? Straight away, the cast lineup that you just mentioned there is an instant draw. I mean, that's such a strong cast. And yeah, you know, in the lead role of Martin Luther King, uh, David gives a fantastic performance. But the able support from Tessa Thompson, Andre Holland, Tom Wilkinson, who is marvellous as president, Linda B. Johnson, Giovanni Rabisi, Lakeith Stanfield, Tim Tim Roth, like you mentioned, Cuba Gooden Jr. is in there, Oprah Winfrey. It's a great lineup. And the balance of the political backdrop against the demonstrations is handled really deftly. Seeing the engagements between Johnson and King adds a nice layer to the political environment of the era. The other depictions of these kind of marches and the, the civil rights movement have kind of skirted around. You can see that Johnson wanted to get involved, but this film highlights that the presidents don't really have the power to interfere on a state level. Well, we've seen that over, over recent history, haven't we? Uh, yes, thankfully. Uh, <laughs> otherwise, oh, I dread to think what the last four years would have done for every state. And then we get to the actual demonstrations. And that first march across the bridge is such a powerful and harrowing scene. And at that point of the film, that was it. I was utterly involved in this film and utterly, utterly caught up within the drama. Seeing the events played out and the Great decision to narrate it with the words of the journalist calling in the report 
adds a striking and brutality aspect to the whole march. And all of this, you have to realise, was all about the right to vote. A right that was held back by ridiculous red tape. You must have another black voter to vouch for you to become a voter. But some counties didn't have black voters, for example. That's how ridiculous the system was. It's a a really, really solid look back at a very recent part of history that some people have forgotten is still recent history. And this year, films like this are even more important because sadly, these same issues have come to the forefront again. You, You told me to do this film on the back of me watching the Small Axe series. Yes. And I can completely get why you suggested this because... Like I said, when I was talking about the small acts last week, you know, I'm learning so much about the black experience this year and I've learned more again from something that I thought I already knew the story of. This is something that I knew about, but I didn't really know all the events. And it's only just over half a century ago that events like this happened. And that's what makes these films so important. We need to be reminded that this is on our doorstep. We have not moved past these issues. The people involved in these issues, a lot of them are still alive. These prejudices that films like this are about are still out there. And the film, with its powerful message, really stunned me. I think when I was like reading up on critical responses after I watched the film, Richard Roper of the Chicago Sun-Times summed it up beautifully by saying, once school is back in session... Every junior high school class in America should take a field trip to see this movie. And I couldn't agree more. I've got to be honest, I've not seen Selma. I think it's it's interesting from seeing it from a European uh, angle that this is recent history from, from the US. And yet yeah, we have our own instance that need to be discussed at some point. I did see the documentary that a lot of the film is based on. And it's a very, very moving um, documentary. And... Um, You've, you've talked me into wanting to see it. I mean, the reviews were fantastic for it. Um, you know, it's a very sobering look at history, which despite the years gone by, we're still hopefully in the death throes of, of ending like that. But it doesn't seem as though it's going to be any day soon with, with current the, the, the current state of the US. And, and we've seen those divides open up recently and they're not going away. But Selma um, does feel as though it's, it's, it's absolutely essential watching. And also tells us something a bit about ourselves in the UK. As I said, it's, it's current American history, and you're right; it should be seen uh, and not ignored. And there's 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 things like that which, you know, when people talk about movies and talk about TV as being entertainment, you look at the you look at the effect that both Watchmen and Lovecraft Country did by highlighting the the Tulsa massacre. Something in this country we knew nothing about. Something which in America a lot of people didn't know. Exactly. A lot of Americans didn't didn't know anything about it as well. It's such important it's such important viewing and we can all learn something, even this side of the pond. Absolutely stunning film. Can definitely see why it was tipped for multiple awards. The interesting aspect is that you get to see how the peaceful Martin Luther King protest because he took the peaceful stance. He didn't believe in the confrontation and aggression aspect of it. He wanted to show that you could reasonably come to agreements. And it was showing how even that was met with resistance. And we see it today when peaceful marches, you suddenly get like news, news reports about how they've turned into riots. And you wonder how did a peaceful march turn to that? Watch this film. You will see how easily they can turn. And it's usually because the people who are being marched against take some kind of 
opposition to someone being peaceful to them. Um, Absolutely. Impactful film, well worth checking out. And Excellent. and that basically rounds off this year's uh, it does. Oscar it... history revisiting because uh, we're going to pick this back up again at the start of next year. Or we might even do something different because we have some interesting news that we're going to share in the new year about the show going forward. Also, uh, next week, we're going to do something a little bit different, aren't we? Oh, yes. Um, next week's will be our final new episode for the year. I do have some plans for doing some interim things, which will be looking back at some of the highlights of the past year and a half of doing this and maybe bringing some of my video content over to audio format to fill the gaps in until we return in the new year. But for next week, we'll be looking back over 2020 and picking out what stood out, what should have been left out, and also let's focus on what should be watched at Christmas. It's going to be the sherry trifles of discussion next week. Oh, it'll be the icing on this delicious cake of 2020. (laughs) So before we go, uh, we're going to tell you about our neat things. But if you want to get in touch with us, you can do so at... On Twitter, at FilmFileUK. You can also find us on Instagram. And and by the way, Andy, really enjoying your Sunday night. Do you just want to give it a quick plug? So every Sunday night, the Movie Talk on Sunday's discussions over on Twitter, hashtag MTOS. Uh, different topic every week. Ten questions starting from 8pm UK time. One going out every 10 minutes. And there's no right or wrong answers. It's all about opinions on films. And we're always very respectful of each other's different opinions because we're all individuals. We all like different things. And this week's one, I've not finished the questions for yet, but my hint that I've given out is it's going to be something completely different. <laughs> okay, I look forward to it. It's a, it's a great little drop-in. You don't have to be there for the, uh, for the full time. You can even pick it up the next day. It's just, a, it's just really, really fun to see other people's opinions and see decent conversation rather than arguments okay so before we leave we are going to tell you what we've been watching what we've been enjoying playing listening to reading um you name it it's our neat thing andy go first what's your neat thing so my neat thing for this week i'm moving on to video games this week and team 17's worm series has now added a real-time match type game called worms rumble This game keeps the basic gameplay of the series, including the 2D approach, but it takes away the turn-based timers and leaves it as a complete free-for-all for for a battle royale kind of battleground mayhem. And it's fun. It's got all the fun of the worm series. It's got the ridiculous voices that the worms have. It's got the comical kind of weapons, such as the holy hand grenade that um, blows up with a hallelujah it's a great fun (laughs) diversion kind of game and it's currently free for anyone who's got playstation plus and it'll be free up until the start of next month so grab it while you can and give it a shot there's things to unlock in there there's rewards there's skins etc but it's just a fun little rumble game based around the Worms game set. Excellent. I might even give that a shot myself as I can't leave the house, so I've got to do something. But because I can't leave the house, I've been catching up with a series. Lots and lots of my friends told me how good it was. And for some reason, I, I, I wasn't ignoring them. I just didn't get around to it. But over the last few weeks, uh, me and my good lady have been watching Shit's Creek on Netflix, uh, created by Dan Levy and his father, the great Eugene Levy. This is just a warm funny, uh, engaging, silly comedy. It lasts no longer than half an hour. It's just beautifully done. 
The series follows the trials and tribulations of the formerly wealthy Rose family when they're forced to relocate to Schitt's Creek, a small town they once purchased, as a joke, basically. They now live in the, uh, the town's motel. Um, Johnny Rose, played by Eugene Levy. Uh, Moira Rose, played by the ever-fantastic, God, she's a treasure, Catherine O'Hara, along with their adult children, David, played by Dan Levy, and Alexis, Annie Murphy, as they try to adjust to life without money and to live with each other. It's just so well done. It's charming, it's funny, it's silly, it's outrageous. As I said, Catherine O'Hara is an absolute treasure. I mean, we've seen her in so many things before, funny enough, just watched again um, Home Alone, and she you just realize how great she is. If you want to have something that just makes you smile consistently over every episode, then Schitt's Creek is the show for you. Listen to your friends because they are right. It's a fantastic series. I love it. And that's it for this week. Thank you for joining us. We'll be back with a special Yuletide episode. Our 50th episode. Oh, yeah, you're right. Our 50th episode. 50 episodes. We need some sort of celebration. If only I could leave the house. (laughs) Uh, We'll see you then. In the meantime, it's good night from me. And it's good night from him. And if you're looking for an ass to kiss, it's mine. (laughs) 